Uh, this episode, we're going to be talking about chapter three of Women Who Run With the Wolves. We're very excited. Um, I think every story that Clarissa talks about is just so interesting, every mythology. So we're very excited. But before we get started, Haley has the card reading for this episode. Yes. So we are using the same deck that we did in the last episode, the Mythic Goddess Tarot deck by Jane Wallace. We will put another link in the bio just in case you are curious about what it looks like and you want to get one for yourself. Um, Paloma found this deck while she was in New Mexico and I am already loving it. Um, so we had three cards stand out to us and um, they actually like shot out of the deck and they stuck out in, in weird ways. And so we have the six of wands, the king of wands and the seven of wands. So a lot of wands, but what do wands mean? So the book that came with the tarot deck Wands are associated with action, initiative, invention, travel, growth, and energy. The Starting with the Six of Wands, the word on the card says triumph. And so the meaning goes, getting the Six of Wands is very positive. Victory is beckoning. You have reached a point indicating that success is near or perhaps are receiving a notification that you're at some kind of milestone near your ultimate destination. It's a yes card. So if you are waiting to find out whether you have passed a test or are going to prevail in a dispute, you should be very pleased. Honors and endorsements can all occur now and promotions and business growth look very likely. There may be there may be some way to go, but all things are going as they should and a happy outcome looks likely. Well, that's a nice card. Huh. I like it. And we did get the King of Wands in um, last week's poll, which I thought was really, really interesting how it came up again. But just for a refresher, King of Wands, the word on the card is leader. It says the King of Wands has a fiery feel a bold and fearless type who is willing to stand up for his beliefs and is not one to follow the crowd. This may well be someone you recognize in your life. However, this card can also indicate that you will step into a role like this. You'll have a clear vision and others will be drawn to you. Clear-eyed and charismatic, you can be an inspiration to others. You know your mind and can push forward with purpose. In real terms, this means following your dreams and doing what is on your mind even if you or others fear it could be reckless. Make a move on that person you have a crush on or quit your job and start your own business. And then lastly, we have the seven of wands, which the word associated with it is protectiveness. We have the seven of wands means you need to defend your corner. You have something precious that is worth protecting, whether it's an idea, a relationship, or your own self-esteem. Someone is picking a fight and you need to maintain your boundaries without being uh, reduced to their level while still retaining your sense of self-worth. Reject overly aggressive overtures and psychodramas and remain cool and collected. Other people have their own issues and may become territorial or irrational. Legal battles and divorce could be a factor now, or you might be in a profession such as the law where you need to, t to battle it out. Remain strong, and with a clear purpose, you will overcome. That was really intense. I like it. Oh, I like. Did I, it resonate with you? It really did. I talked about this in our last polling and last episode, mm -hmm. and this has been a 
consistent theme that I've um, been bringing up, but just with school and all the weirdness there and um, yeah, and I just definitely feel like there's a battle of energies of people who are feeling very territorial and very intense and fiery mm -hmm. towards me. So I think I have to like stand my ground, protect yeah. my energy, protect my peace and um, use my own authority. And I really like the six of wands too, because like you can overcome it mm -hmm. if you just like really stick up for what you believe in, mm -hmm. what your vision is, what you want to manifest. Yeah. I see as the story playing out of protectiveness is like the situation at hand where in order to triumph, you need to mm. kind of hone in on the king of wands. Love That's that. That's how I take it. That's awesome. Yeah. And plus like the image on the seven of wands almost kind of looks like everyone is kind of, they're out all pointed like in different directions. So very, yeah, like that territorial. Yeah. I just love how the artists, they just know. Yeah. Like it's just like these little, like it's so, it's so simple yet. There's just like these, these details, like everything is purposeful and you can take something away from every aspect of the illustration. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There really is like, you can really look into every detail mm -hmm. and that's, what's so cool about it. Mm -hmm. Especially with your background of art history. I think that's a perfect way to to continue to use that knowledge is that you really can look into everything the colors the the details all the materials mm -hmm. the directions all of that yep well i love that reading that was great yeah how do you feel about with it i think it really just yeah it resonates in just kind of like my work life and we're talking about that this about this in the last episode of like claiming your power and it's, but it's also like very, very interesting. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but because we have wands all in front of us, there's also a lot of fire, like the background are flames and the king of wands is like surrounded by them. And so it's almost kind of like going back to that, the elemental, the protection, those kind of things that we were talking about. I feel very there's been a lot of fiery moments lately. There's been a lot of protection moments lately. Um, but there's also been moments where I've had to kind of step into like this, this leader, this, um, this role and really claiming that. And so, yeah, even though at first I'm like, well, we got the King of Wands, you know, the last time we did a poll and, you know, there's a side of me that immediately goes to like, oh, well, I just didn't shuffle enough. But then like you were saying, like, no, like there's like all these different kind of com like combinations of, of cards that you can get. And I honestly need to just trust that this is how it was supposed to be pulled. And these are the cards, especially the King of Wands that I really need to be paying attention to. So I need to just trust the universe on this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great idea to do that. If it's coming up more than once, um... And also just the way that these cards are designed, you have six, you have the king of wands in the middle and then the seven, like it wasn't seven, six, and then the king of wands. Like it, it fairly clearly looks like a pattern here. Um, and the king of wands, yeah, it's that mastery of it going back to that sort of motif 
with a couple of weeks ago, we pulled the King of Pentacles. Mm-hmm. Now we have the King of Wands. So it's like now the mastery of authority, mm-hmm. of personal power, of creativity, and being in touch with our, our own fieriness, which I think is perfect for this book, Women Who Run With the Wolves, because it's all about getting in touch with that sort of fiery, demanding, unapologetic nature that actually serves us when channeled correctly. Mm-hmm. So shall we? Yeah. Let's right. shall. <laughs> Let's shall. <laughs> so this chapter we talk about, so Clarissa talks about another mythology in this chapter, and this time it is a Russian and um, Balkan story, right? I think it's like that Eastern European. Baltic. Yeah, Baltic. Mm-hmm. Um, so this mythology is the story about Vasalisa. And I'm going to summarize it very, um, as much as I can possible. So very limited summarization. Highly recommend you get the book and read it itself or study this mythology yourself or this folk tale, I guess is more accurate. Um, But I'm going to just summarize it so we can have a baseline of what we're getting into and what we're going to be discussing. So the story of Vasalisa starts off with um, this mother who is ill and she's on her deathbed. And before she passes, she gives her daughter this doll. And so she says to her daughter that whenever you need guidance or have a question, ask the doll, um, but make sure that you continue to feed it and nourish it. Uh, So then she gives the doll, the mother passes, the father and the daughter are mourning for a long time, but eventually the father does grieve and find a new wife who is also a widow. And this new wife has two daughters. So the main character of the story, the little girl, she now has a new mom and two stepsisters. Well, the stepsisters don't really like her. The stepmother don't really doesn't really like her as well. And it's kind of mentioned that this new family, these new women are very jealous of um, Vasalisa, that they're jealous of her beauty and also her innocence and her pure heart. So they're always trying to kind of scheme to to get rid of her or use her or take advantage of her. So her dad's out at some point in travels. And so it's just in the house with the mom, the stepsisters and Vasalisa. And they are just nonstop relenting and tormenting her and so eventually they devise this plan that how they're going to get rid of her once and for all is if they send her into the woods to go get fire and of course they do have fire they do have firewood firewood but they convince Vasilisa that they don't and that she needs to go out so they say that she needs to go to Baba Yaga and Baba Yaga will give her fire that will keep him warm. So Vasilisa goes out and uses her doll and asks her doll where to go. Does she turn right? Does she turn left? Which direction does she go to? And the doll tells her eventually they get to the Baba Yaga's home. As they're 
getting to her home, they come across three horsemen, uh, a white horseman, a red horseman, and a black horseman. Then they get to the house finally, and this house is odd. It is a home that has chicken legs and will bounce and twirl about kind of erratically. But they get there, and Baba Yaga is this labeled as this hag witch of the woods. So she is very blunt. She is very brash, and she is not sweet by any means, really. So Vasilisa gets there, and she asks Baba Yaga if she can have some fire. Baba Yaga agrees to, but only if Vasilisa passes passes sort of these quests in order to do to get it some of them include uh cleaning baba yaga's clothes and home and properly sweeping it some of it includes cooking her food and separating the moldy corn from the healthy fresh corn some of it includes separating poppy seeds from the dirt and these tasks are meant to be really almost seemingly impossible tasks for some of them. But uh, Vasilisa's doll helps her and tells her to sleep and, and she'll take care of it. So every night when Vasilisa goes to sleep, her doll completes the task. And when she wakes up, everything is fine and she can complete the next one. So she does these three tasks and eventually Baba Yaga agrees to give her a fire and the fire comes in a, a, a bone skull with fiery eyes. So Vasilisa goes back home. She, as she's coming home, she's using the doll again, asking how to get back. And right before she gets to the house, she sees the house glowing because it clearly has a fire going. And the mom and the stepsisters are celebrating because they think that Vasilisa has died since it's been so long since she's gotten back. And at this point, Vasilisa almost throws away the skull because she feels that, oh, they don't need a fire anymore, so we don't need the fiery skull. Um, but the skull tells her, no like bring me to the home then it's revealed kind of the true intentions of the stepmother and the stepsisters and the skull uh like burns them to ashes <laughs> and that's basically the surface level but as we go in deep and talk more into this episode we kind of talk about Clarissa's uh symbolism and what each of these parts of the story mean and how we can apply them to ourselves so that's the brief overview it's just it it ends so violently yeah. <laughs> and that's how like all the stories have been up into this point yes it's just like and all of a sudden i died <laughs> um but no i and again like just um the carissa does a great job breaking down each part of the stories and talking about okay like let's you know the doll gets handed down from her mom and her mom is passing and this is a metaphor of our um the allowing the too good mother to die 
and I had a hard time with reading this chapter because I kept on taking it literally and I had to keep on reminding myself, no, okay, this is metaphorical. This is in the psyche. Um, it's not like my actual mom. Like it, and so I had to kind of break that up. Um, but just the amazing symbolism of Vasilisa's mom passing away at the very, very beginning of the story, but handing her a doll. And this doll looks just like Vasilisa. They're wearing the exact same clothes colors all that kind of stuff but she's just like it's just a smaller version in doll form and how that is a representation of passing down like this knowledge um of the the female psyche the woman's psyche the experiences that our mothers mother figures um have experienced and and they're like passing it on to us as we're getting older so like when we're younger you know, we are definitely still, um, you know, living with, with our, with our mothers or closer to them, you know, what, whatever that relationship looks like. But then, you know, kind of like before we, in a way, like leave the nest, like they pass on this knowledge to us, or at least they're supposed to pass on this knowledge to us, which then she takes that. And that's how she's able to go through the forest and, and everything. Yeah. I, I know what you mean about the 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 good mother, the too good mother, mm-hmm. because it is kind of hard and you think, well, okay, well, does that mean that my, my mom didn't, wasn't good enough, you mm-hmm. know, did she miss out on something? Mm-hmm. But I think the point is, is kind of the, the development mm-hmm. of your relationship to mother. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, you know, when you're a baby, you completely rely on her sweetness and her goodness because Mm -hmm. you are completely helpless so you have to rely on her for everything and as you develop you kind of see her true grit you know Mm -hmm. especially when you become a teenager and and she has to stand her ground saying you know like don't talk to me that way so you start to to see your mom in new layer too And, but initially the, the mother always kind of starts off as the, the too good mother, you know, because we are helpless and we can't do anything for ourselves. So we have to completely rely on her doing everything for us, but it does shift and it does evolve as we grow older mm-hmm. and, um, we do eventually develop separateness. And mm-hmm. I think that's part of what the story talks about is separating from the mon- mother because when they're, when we're in the womb, we are totally connected. Mm-hmm. And even before we were born our like us as eggs mm-hmm. was in her womb mm-hmm. and in her room in grandmother's womb. So yep. it was this total connection there was no separation Mm -hmm. and then suddenly you're born and now you're separate from mother Mm -hmm. but you still need her Mm -hmm. then as you get older you're separate from womb and now you don't need her but you can take the the lessons that she's taught with you and hopefully they were strong enough and wise enough for you to kind of navigate this world which can be hard yep and it's supposed to be a foundation but it's also, if it's healthy, if it's a good, healthy separation from the two good mother, it's it's not like you're going to have all the answers. And it's not like you're going to be completely ready to go out into the wilderness. But it's going to give you that direction and 
she clarissa has pointed out like there's also adult women who like have not left like they have not let the too good mother die and they are still like finding ways not to go out and do the risky things or challenge themselves or like they still think they're not prepared enough and you have to get to this point where you're like yeah it's scary I don't want to go into the forest I don't want to um you know go and and search for this and who knows what's going to be out there but like you have to do it because the lessons you learn along the way are just so so important and um and so it's not like her in the story it wasn't like Vasilisa's mother was bad in any kind of way but it just represents that that relationship of okay I've brought you up to this point and I have to let I have to let you go like yeah. I have to let you you know leave the nest I mean and and she makes the um the relationship between the mother wolf and her cubs of yeah they are when they are younger you know they have to be fed they have to be protected because they're they're weak and they're little and they're they don't know any better but then they do get to a point where the mother world cubs like all right great go and go kind of fend for yourself and learn and like because she has to know that like she has done everything that she can up into that point to help them survive and, and flourish in the world Oh yeah, there's a quote that she has in here of um, sometimes a woman is afraid to be without security or without certainty or even a short time. She has more excuses than dogs have hairs. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I just highlight, I highlighted that. I'm like, it's just like the visuals. It just like helps me grasp it that much more. But <laughs> um, she says... So going back to being separated from two good mother, it says, yet if we merge with the two good mother for too long, our lives and our gifts for expression fall into the shadows and we become scant instead of strong. Exactly. We can't fend for ourselves. And, and that's something that I've observed too, because womanhood is a very strange thing to navigate and Every time you take a risk, whether it's a career change, whether it's uh, like moving or um, separating yourself from your parental guidance in any sort of way, it is stressful. Mm -hmm. And then it gets stressful as you get older when you're separating from anything that was comfortable, mm -hmm. you know? So it's something that I started thinking about of times where, oh yeah, I was afraid to take a risk because I was too comfortable in my own ways. And when we let that comfort settle in, and I, at one point she brings up of this idea of always trying to people please, mm -hmm. always um, just trying to do whatever you can to just keep the peace, that it ends up never serving you anyways. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is because we do these things as a way of survival. Mm -hmm. We We purposely don't take risks. We stay comfortable because we're we're trying to survive, you know, we're trying to avoid things that are threatening to our livelihood. Yet when we do that, we, we think that we're protecting ourselves, but in reality, we end up harming ourselves more mm -hmm. by doing that. And she brought up a really good analogy with 
the stepmother and stepsisters that Vasilisa was more than willing to do whatever they told him. She mm-hmm. she was so sweet and so kind that anytime they would order her around, she had no problem doing it. Anytime they were mean and nasty to her, she just didn't really stick up for herself. And there came a time where she had to she had to do it because her trying to be um like uh accommodating mm-hmm. was never going to win them over anyways so so it kind of i was having a conversation with my partner today talking about this chapter in this book and i was talking about like going back to this idea of jealousy with people in mm-hmm. in Nvidia that for some people, you can do the entire uh, initiation process with them. You can do, you can try to prove yourself time and time again, your worth to people, but it's it's just simply never going to be enough. And in fact, the more that you try to prove to your worth, like your worthiness to them, the more tension it's going to create and the mm-hmm. more fire it's going to create because you're not standing up for yourself. Mm-hmm. You're just going to keep on letting them control you and walk over you and you're just going to lose yourself in the process and it goes back to and i'm just going to say this directly from the book it says finding that being good being sweet being nice will not cause life to sing and it's it resonates so much because like as women we're taught to smile be nice be cheerful be bubbly, um, don't take up space, you know, all these things. And that's exactly what Vasilisa was doing this entire time, not even realizing who she was surrounded by and what they were making her do and their intentions. And it wasn't until going into the forest, it was something they wanted her to do. So, of course, she said yes. She goes into the forest, goes on this journey, this adventure, And then as she's coming back, she is a changed woman because she's actually survived and they didn't think she was going to survive. Her doll, her, her intuition, um, which is what the doll represents, um, you know, helps her and she's able to, to feed that intuition, intuition, acknowledge it. Um, It builds stronger and stronger and stronger. And then she comes back and it's not until that moment. And I love how, um, you know, Paloma, you pointed out where she notices like the glow coming from the house. And at that moment, she's like, well, then I don't even need this skull and I'm just going to throw it away. But then the skull's like, no, 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 like take me with you. Like, like it's going to be fine. And then the skull represents the, um, the, the truth seeking. Um, and she is letting the skull lead her back to you know the place that she came from and it it sucks to be able to like see the truth in situations um and that's why she was very tempted to throw it away because it's almost like this oh my gosh I know that there's like this other side of things I don't know if I'm ready to to really see it for what it is and I don't know if I can handle it but she had, you know, the, the skull and, um, the metaphor there is just like, we need to be able to, to trust our, our instincts and our intuition on that. Um, and know that we deserve to see things for what they truly are. 
Um, and so when she does bring the skull back, the skull like just like stares at them and just looks at them and then they just burn to cinders. <laughs> like it was just it it's such an intense way of like and we're and we keep on going back to like this fire, right? Of it's just so crazy of like <laughs> fire can do so many, so many amazing things. Um, but it's such like a like a vicious way to go at the same time. But like you are like she quite literally was burning the the her bad um the the bad parts that like the shadows um like in her psyche and um those influences and and um kind of like the the negative energies like in her world um and so it's you know like reading this story thinking about how can we let our lives be guided like we have our doll like our intuition that we're feeding, that we're nurturing, that we're listening to. And then we also have like our, our skull with fire of seeking the truth of things and not wanting to hide away from that. Absolutely. I think hands down, yes, to everything that you said. That was so insightful. And I think, yeah, going back to that fire, like that is such a huge theme in our lives and this reading and maybe for the listeners out there as well. And in this book, and fire is so cool because it, 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 in a way, it does symbolize a purification of, of the, the truth. And it wasn't a pretty truth, but it had this righteous burn and, and this, this burn of justice and, and truth. And this goal was kind of indifferent. Um, but it, but it was honest. It was just going to reveal mm-hmm. what it was. Yeah. And the truth was not pretty, but I think that fire was that conviction mm-hmm. of now, you know what the truth is. You've yeah. listened to your intuition. You've investigated, mm-hmm. you went into the home that was not warm and welcoming. Mm-hmm. You went there, you trusted in your intuition, and then you found the truth. And I think that's the difference of like, what does the doll and then the skull represent? The doll yeah. is the intuition mm-hmm. and the skull is what do you see mm-hmm. and what are you going to do with that information once you find out and have the confirmation mm-hmm. of your intuition being true. Yep. And to to also go back, there's an, there's another quote that says Vasilisa is disenfranchised for she inherits and is inherited by a family that cannot or appre- cannot understand or appreciate her. As far as they're concerned, she is unnecessary. They hate and revel her. They treat her as the stranger, the untrustworthy one. In fairy tales, the role of the stranger or the outcast is usually played by the one who's most deeply connected to the knowing nature. Mm. And that reminds me of our last episode that you quoted <laughs> from the Empath Survival Guide, mm-hmm. that 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 quote that was unknown. Yep. But it was mm-hmm. basically like when you feel like an outsider, mm-hmm. it means that you're there's a reason for that yep. and that you are seeing things um, beyond the status quo mm-hmm. or beyond what the world wants you to see it as. Yep. And I think how many times, not only in our internal world, but in our external world where, you know, we go to work, we can tell that like our coworkers don't really like us. Like again, going back to our old work, it was like, I I felt this sense of dread always mm-hmm. going in there because I just knew that there was people that no matter how 
friendly or helpful mm-hmm. I was that it was never going to be like good enough for them. Yeah. And it hurt a lot because my intentions were earnest, or at least that's how I perceived my intentions were earnest, mm-hmm. but they had a very particular way of being. And so leaving and then coming back kind of and coming back with this, this, um, courage, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. or just like taking no BS because ultimately their outcome, their fate is like, whatever, but it's like, I'm not going to keep playing into this anymore. I'm going to go into my woods. I'm going to figure my stuff out and then come back and and realize that y'all are crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Long story short, y'all are crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, we see that all the time or, or this idea of the stepsisters and stepmothers, they're Mm -hmm. always trying to, um, make her do things to show Mm -hmm. And and it's just a trick for yeah. Vasilisa to feel like, oh, maybe this will finally be the one that, yeah. that proves my self-worth. And Clarissa gives this example of how we see this manifest into actual people is mm-hmm. women who end up having busy careers, mm-hmm. three PhDs or, yeah. or however she describes it, of just like constantly trying to prove yourself to, mm-hmm. to the people around you that finally are worth it if you do all these things. And it's just never going to be enough. We yeah. we see that in um, like the movie Mean Girls. How many mm. times like yep. it's never going to be enough. You see that in work situations. And I think for me, when I was reading this chapter, it felt like this was my big lesson mm. that is taking me the last two years to realize about myself is that there are people who no matter how good of a person you are just because you don't have a lot of friends doesn't mean that you're a bad person yeah it just means that there are simply a lot of people who like to take advantage of that Mm -hmm. and having a lot of friends doesn't mean that they're a good person necessarily or people who are always around people all the time always like the social butterfly doesn't necessarily mean that they are good to all those people and I always think about I forget what the saying is but like quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. Um, some people who are friends to everybody are friends to nobody. Yep. So yep. that's like a lot of what came up for me. Yeah. And it's interesting because I definitely took the, the representation of the stepsisters and the stepmother as like physical people in my life and in my past, but I also took it as how I talk to myself And because Clarissa constantly brings up the women's psyche, um, I took it as, am I letting the stepsisters like in my mind, in my, my psyche take advantage of me and boss me around and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so it's just, it's interesting because it happens inside my brain, but it also happens outside. (laughs) And so it's like, getting attacked from all sides of like, no, I deserve to like talk to myself in a a very, very good way and not let those, those, um, kinds of voices, you know, get the best of me, but then also outside of this of, okay, how can I kind of break, not the status quo, but like, how can I break the, the, I don't know, the gender norms or the expectations of, like, okay, I need to 
look, acknowledge, smile, you know, talk to everybody. I need to, you know, it's just, that's not, um, that's not a way to protect yourself. And, you know, obviously wolves aren't going out and just being like, Hey everybody. And <laughs> like, let's be best friends. And, Oh yeah. You want my food? Okay, sure. You know, like, right. it's just, how can we, and then going back again to the last episode, how can we protect that energy and protect ourselves in that? And so that's how, and it's just, it's just, I, I love it. I love w whenever we get to talk about these chapters because we each take away different parts and it like resonates with different aspects of what we're going through in life. And, um, and so it's just, it's like Clarissa's over here, like, yep, you really needed to, <laughs> you really needed to read this one this week and there's a reason. And, um, and she just knows that she's just like, you know, the words that she's writing and that she's, you know, putting out into the, into the world, like she knows it's going to have a really big effect on, on, on women. And it's just, oh my gosh. Yeah. It, it kind of took me for a ride. And, um, I also, and, and this was like a little, a little part that she put in the chapter was she was talking about the importance of men also, being kind of like awakened in that way of like um how fathers who aren't yes like na naive fathers are also very not destructive but like almost like dangerous because like they can't they can't protect their daughters like yeah. if they have no idea they can't protect them and um and it's just, where was it in the, um, uh, she goes into naive fathers and how important it is for fathers with daughters and the responsibility they have, but then also going into the, in like, it's like always like man versus woman. And so... And she says, a good deal of literature on the subject of women's power states that men are afraid of women's power. And she then goes on saying, if men are going to ever learn to stand it, then without a doubt, women have to learn to stand it. Yes. And so if we expect to ever harness that power, um, to be comfortable with it, to own it, to claim it, like we need to do that first. Like we need to be doing that on our own if we expect anybody else to be doing it um, and being okay with it. And that was also like a whole nother like slap to the face of just like, no one's going to give it to me. I need to take it and I need to be okay with it. And um, that is my decision and I have to deal with it. Like if I choose not to take it, if I let somebody else take it, um, that's on me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was definitely like the biggest totally big aha moment of this chapter was, I mean, there's been so many, but, but just the, yeah, going back to like, we, we can't just expect men and demand men to do X, Y, and Z. And, and granted, no men should ever abuse a woman or take advantage of her. But we also have to learn to stand into ourselves too. And I think sometimes there's a bit of poking and prodding because they're waiting for it. Mm -hmm. Whether whether it's like an unconscious thing, like a planetary, like cosmic thing. But like, I feel like men are, are 
they've been poking and prodding and waiting for us to kind of be like, okay, are we going to step into our power or what? Because mm-hmm. I've definitely experienced and been friends with, you know, people who they are very attached to their victim mentality mm-hmm. and not to say that women as a whole are, but from my experience, I have had observed women who are very wanting to be victims Mm -hmm. and then it becomes infuriating after a while because you're like come on like people are poking at you because they are waiting for you to actually stand into it and Mm -hmm. they're not necessarily trying to take advantage of you but they're trying to like slap you Mm -hmm. and like give you a slap of reality of like wake up come on get with the program yeah are you just gonna roll over are you gonna stand up and so i think we get frustrated because of course we don't want that, you know, we don't want to have to be like slapped into reality, but sometimes we need it because we get kind of stuck with being, yeah, complimentary, yeah. was trying to be nice, was yeah. trying to be over accommodating. And I just know for me all the times that I went so out of my way to be pleasing, mm-hmm. it just ended up making things worse because then the other person just gets annoyed anyways, because yeah. I'm just like, like, oh my God, what do you need? What can I do? Is there something that I should be doing right now? What do you think? I don't know. What do you think? Like all of that. And I can see on the other hand, how it'd be so frustrating Mm. from a friend of mine or a partner for mine where I'm just not willing to stand up for anything. Yeah. Yeah. And have like no backbone. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There is um, a comment that was made to me over this last week of, I have a tendency of being too respectful and it's really kind of biting me in the butt now mm-hmm. um, because I'm so, I get so worried about, like, I treat people the way that I want to be treated. Um, and I think, oh, like, if I do these things, that's also going to, like, they're going to do the same for me, or, you know, all right. that kind of stuff. Um, Whereas like, that's not the case. Um, And we were talking about this before recording the podcast where everyone, like at the end of the day, like we're all looking out for ourselves. And so it's like, how can we flip the script of like, yeah, I still want to be respectful. I still want to be nice, but not overly so. Like I also deserve to respect myself and be nice to myself and take care of myself first before I'm taking care of other people. And that it, it makes me upset that I've lived life like that up until this point, but I know I, I shouldn't beat myself up about it because these are all awakening moments that we all should have. And, um, and I think to myself, you know, like when I have kids just like, yeah, how can I set them up for success? And I know that I'm not going to put them in the absolute perfect place. Nobody is ever in the absolute perfect place, but how can I make sure that the doll that I'm passing on to them is, equipped enough to help them, you know, um, go on their own journey and find themselves. And, you know, Clarissa is just, I just, I I don't know. I just, I thank her constantly for, (laughs) for just helping me along this, this path. And there's just so many times where I'm just reading and I'm just like, 
just, <laughs> just I highlight a bunch, I write a bunch, but just like even like just making noises are just like, yep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like just as I'm reading, yeah. <laughs> like it's not even in my head. I'm like actually physically saying it. Um, that's how much I agree. And that's how much it, it resonates with me. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. Same here. There's so many parts in this book where I just say yes exclamation point or i say truth <laughs> yep yep exactly and and it's true like yeah everybody's looking out for themselves and and i i feel that sentiment of there's so many times where i thought that by me putting out you know a, a white flag of me being really good mm-hmm. to somebody that i thought it was going to be reciprocated mm-hmm. and how devastating it felt and how hurt i felt when they didn't do that yeah and on one sense can you blame a predator for doing like their natural yeah. instincts you know yeah. it's like I, it, it was giving it to them too easy but also at the same time it it, it hurts knowing that that's what humanity is. And that's a big part of that, that development from girlhood naivety Mm -hmm. to womanhood and, and being okay with that womanhood. Because I think, especially in this culture where we celebrate, um, girlness and we never really celebrate like the aged woman. Yeah. We're always kind of encouraged to be, um, docile mm-hmm. and and agreeable mm-hmm. and girl-like. And so when we actually start to get a little bit smarter, keener, we feel shame or mm-hmm. guilt for seeing through people's yeah, yeah, BS. And I and I wonder if that also goes into, and you made that comment earlier about not having as many friends. Because the older you get, you kind of start that fire school kind of starts coming up a little <laughs> bit more where you're like, oh gosh, um, no, that relationship was not <laughs> what what it, I thought it was going to be. And I'm also a strong believer of people are in your lives, your life for a certain amount of time, whether that's a short, long, you know, you know, whatever. But um, it's also just, I think it also goes hand in hand with yeah, when we were younger in our adolescence of we were ignorant to a lot of things. Um, and then things started coming up, life started happening and people's natures start coming out. Um, that of course you weren't going to deal with when you were younger, but you get older and, and these things just naturally come up. And, and so then that just means that you've saw the truth, you know, and it's, and it, goes into what Clarissa touches on regularly throughout this book is women having to know when things need to live and when things need to die. And I've like, before reading this book, I've never actually seen any type of beauty related to death. Like I've never had a positive um, outlook of thinking about something dying, but it came up so much in this, in this, um, this chapter where, and and she was talking about like how important it is to, I don't know, to, um, I don't know. I think she like mentioned about like 
gardening or, or something where it's just, you have to know that everything has that runs its course and, um, it shouldn't be like something that you refuse to, to come to terms with. Like you, you have to accept it and it's not supposed to be like a sad thing. Like it should just be like, no, like that's how nature is. Like, like friendships die out and you get different jobs and you meet different people and relationships change and like all that kind of stuff. Right. And so how can we be prepared and know that death happens naturally it's going to happen and so how can we be more graceful and accepting um you know of when it does happen and i think that was also a really a really awesome thing to think about where it's just it's not like we're doing anything wrong when things fizzle out when things die we're not doing anything wrong it's just nature is running its course and that that's how it how it goes and we can't do anything about it and honestly when things die it's actually probably because we're doing something right <laughs> which is a weird way to think about it but if i'm losing a friendship it actually kind of means that i'm growing or somebody's growing somebody's get, be, becoming more developed and more you know true to themselves and um and you kind of have to like celebrate it in that way of like that death I definitely agree. And I think that seeing death in a positive light is really hard because even when you come to accept it, there's a part, or at least for me, that I find thinking like it's a necessary evil, but I still see death as an evil. And it's like this book is really flipping that concept on my head of yeah. how death is not an evil. It is actually a blessing and that is something that is really hard mm -hmm. to feel yeah and like feel that in yourself of yeah. like no this is a good thing this mm -hmm. isn't a bad thing yeah um not like you're wishing any harm on anybody right like, and i don't i know we're not talking about like literal death yeah. we're talking about <laughs> um like ties to people dying yeah. and like no longer being in certain people's lives and so and I think that's probably why it makes it so hard to kind of differentiate right. because it's not like I ever want to cause anybody harm. I don't want them to, I, I always want ending of things to be as graceful as possible, but also you kind of just, you got to cut the cord. Like you have to just, um, walk away and be okay with it and just know that like, okay, like, we're, we're both growing in these different directions and that's okay. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I was, I was trying to find a quote that I found earlier, but I couldn't find it on my phone, but I was watching these TikToks and it was like historical people or people from famous people from the past, their last words before they died. Mm -hmm. And I was really curious about it because, you know, especially in this day and age where we glorify like, preserving mm -hmm. things for as long as we possibly can, like yeah. avoiding death at all costs. Yep. Um, especially for women. We see that in the skincare industry. We mm -hmm. see that in makeup. We see that in the food industry. We see that like really across all platforms. It's yeah. hard for women because we feel that time yeah. like no other. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, Like you don't want to, I mean, I remember when I was younger, 
I, when I found out that smiling and laughing will cause more wrinkles getting older, I'm like, well, I'm going to be a very wrinkly old lady (laughs) Yes, because I don't want to give up smiling and laughing. And there's just, and and so it makes me happy when I do see those smiling and and laugh like lines, you know, and like older people's faces. And like, I can just tell, like they've lived like a full happy life of, um, you know, and I just, we need to celebrate like becoming older because all this wisdom that, that goes into it and like the stories that they can tell. Like, I just, I think if we were to focus on different aspects of it, then it wouldn't be something that we all try to avoid. Yeah, absolutely. I think death, we're, we're, I feel a sense of like, we're always trying to run away from it. Mm -hmm. And so when I was reading these quotes, most of these quotes, it was kind of hilarious about how they were so indifferent to their death at that point. (laughs) Because when I think of death, you know, I think where it sits with me is I think like, okay, it's going to happen one day and it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be fun, but whatever, it has to happen. But then when I read these quotes, half of them were like, yeah, it's just I know this isn't the end so yeah. whatever <laughs> just keep, let's keep it doing and these are people that weren't like weren't very spiritual people mm. but they all kind of had this collective sense of yeah this isn't going to be the last of mm. me which is so interesting because we don't really talk about that at all I think that's part of our fear of death as we think about the what after part yep, yep. And it's really hard. And so when we, I think part of how we make peace with literal death is we make peace with that metaphorical death Mm -hmm. that we're always going to be experiencing. So yeah, when it comes to friendships or, or work or school, it's like all things are going to come to an end at some point. Um, And I think a big part of it is knowing when your time mm-hmm. is there. And mm-hmm. and that's what Clarissa brings up is like knowing when it's time for your exit. Yep. Because if you are clinging on to keeping something going as long as possible for the good old days or whatever, yep. Yep. it's just not going to happen. Yeah. And, and it'll be better for it. And I think there was something really great that when you brought up of when like a friendship dies or a relationship ends with somebody mm-hmm. and anybody knowing that they're they're moving on for the better or yeah. you're moving on for the better yeah. you can kind of let it go gracefully knowing that it was kind of meant to be yep. it it took its course and nobody you're all just going to keep growing up from there yeah yeah because i think we all have those like relationships of like every time you get back together with that person like you talk about the exact same yes. thing every single time. I'm like, okay, but like, it's been like six years. So <laughs> yeah. what else has been going on with you? <laughs> um, and, and I think that's a huge tell, at least for me, when that's all that there is to that relationship. Like, okay, we're just going to keep on reliving all the things that we did when we were younger. Okay. Um, at first it's like, oh my gosh, remember, and like you reminisce and that's fine, but like, let's build on top of that. And so if there's no new life being um, created in that relationship, I think that's a huge tell. Um, And I do actually have a handful of of people that 
I just, I remember like I would come home and I would tell my husband, I'm like, yeah. So we talked about literally the exact same thing that we've talked about the last three times that we hung out, you know? And, um, and it's just those kind of things where I just had to stop. Like, it's just, it's not serving me. Um, and I know at that point it's not serving them. Like, yeah. And I probably should have, and I, and I try not to go back and think about, oh, well, like I just kind of let it happen. And I just, I engaged in those conversations and I didn't change it and I didn't help any kind of growth happening. But, um, at the same time, it was just like, I think that's just naturally like, okay, well, if this is the topic of conversation and this is how it's going to go, then I think it's time, you know, like we're off to bigger and better things. Right. So, um, you know, and she does point out the, um, the, I'm not even going to say what page it is because I think our pages are different anyway, (laughs) but the, the quote is, so this letting live, letting die is very important. It is the basic and natural rhythm, which women are meant to understand and live grasping this rhythm lessens fear for we anticipate the future and the ground swells and the emptyings out it will hold. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you clear things out mm-hmm. and that makes room for something else. It really does. Yeah. And I really liked, honestly, I really loved how Baba Yaga is a clean queen. <laughs> like I loved it because usually when we think about old hags, we think about like cobwebs. She hasn't cleaned her house in a thousand years. She's, she's covered doing- in spider webs. Exactly. And, I mean, well, they didn't really picture her. She is scary. She's scary. But her house is great. Not. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Maybe on chicken legs, but it's great. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so like it was so cool to hear that like she has her cleaning routines. And I loved how it talked about how Clarissa talked about like our relationship to cleanliness mm. can actually show our relationship to our wild woman which is a crazy concept because when we think of people who are overly clean we think of people who are control freaks mm-hmm, you know like mm-hmm. the clean you know and so when we think of people who aren't clean we think of impure you know mm. wild yeah but baba yaga is wild and clean so it's like <laughs> it was so interesting and it made me think of um because i am I'm changing this narrative with myself, but, um, I'm like a rat car girl. Like (laughs) (laughs) I am a rat car girl as of right now and I'm working on it, but, um, it kind of made me think about like, okay, well, what's my relationship to mild wildish Mm. nature? Mm. And it made me, and I don't know if this is me just revealing my own psychological things, but it made me start thinking of like, maybe I have, a struggle, like a power struggle between my own wildish nature mm. because it's in my car, which mm. cars to me always symbolize freedom. Mm. It always symbolizes like um, autonomy and independence. Mm. And I like, it's not clean. And I think about how like I have a hard relationship with my own freedom and my own wildish nature and um, and how it's almost like self-sabotage. Mm. And so I started thinking about like, well, what's the stereotype of rat car girls? And I think about like on TikTok, the girls who are like that, they tend to, you know, 
be vaping, partying girls. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're out partying. They they don't really have their life together. Yep. That's the sort of stereotype. And I'm thinking, I'm like, well, maybe it's just this this psychological relationship between almost like rebelling. Like that is your only way to be crazy oh. is to be like a rat car girl, mm-hmm. you know. Especially if you have like a lot of pressure to be a goody two shoes or to yeah. have your life together. And your your rebellion to that is to be like the opposite of having your life together, you know, <laughs> to kind of just be like an F you to all the pressure of having it together. So I don't know. This might be reaching, but I just like <laughs> thinking about Baba Yaga being a clean queen and how Clarissa was kind of talking about how like when you have a clean space, it actually is a, a an easier conduit to express your wild woman nature yeah. because your mind is cluttered free. Yep. So, yep. And the importance of washing the clothes, sweeping the floor, really kind of like working through kind of like the psyche kind of junk and just kind of like that cleansing and like that purification and taking the time. Like, and she's talking about like the routine of it. And, and I tried not to get too like, I remember I, um, <laughs> the, so she says, in the development of women, all these motions of home, homekeeping, sorry, that's in quotes, the cooking, the washing, the sweeping, quantify something beyond the ordinary. All these metaphors offer ways to think about, to measure, feed, nourish, straighten, cleanse, order the soul life. And so I'm like, okay, but really quickly, just so everyone knows, we're not talking about gender roles. Like right. we're not... <laughs> Right. <laughs> just like don't think that this, like <laughs> because you are a woman you like these things you know and so I had to like put a note really quick just like as I was reading that part but it's the metaphor of yes. the 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 cooking the washing the sweeping um I still do wish that she chose other metaphors but we're just gonna have to roll with this one um but how important it is to to nourish your, your soul and your, your psyche and to put those good things in and, and cleanse the things that don't serve you. And so I, I really liked that part. Yeah. It still seems like a lot though. Like I think of it like cleansing the psyche. I'm like, Oh gosh. Like I, yeah. Like there's so much to unpack there. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, okay, well, you know, maybe we, we start by reading this chapter and then as we continue with the book, and I continue living life, you know, like it'll kind of make a little bit more sense, <laughs> but maybe I can, I mean, kind of like what we're talking about with like the energy shields and the energy bubbles. I like close my eyes and I do like a little sweeping. Yeah. I don't know. I don't hey, know. couldn't hurt. <laughs> couldn't hurt. Like the old school. I think of like that. Um, did you ever watch Fantasia? Oh my God. Yeah. Either the broom scene. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you can just do that with your mind. <laughs> I mean, that's a cool thing too, is that like a lot of this story, the doll is doing that sort of unconscious work it's when true. Vasilisa is asleep. So yeah. we think about a lot of this undoing in this work. Yes, a lot of it is like consciously working through our, our stuff mm-hmm. and decluttering our mind, but a lot of it is subconscious. And I think a lot of it just has to do with our readiness to let go. Mm. So I think that's one thing that in therapy... Um, I do, I'm doing EMDR therapy mm. 
And my therapist jokes every now and again of like, yeah, clients always say like, wow, this, I thought this was going to take me years to work through this trauma, but through the power of EMDR, you can get through, you know, decades old trauma through one or two sessions. Yeah. And we think it's a lot of work because obviously it causes us a lot of emotional Mm. turmoil Mm. and strain. Um, But actually cleaning doesn't have to be that hard. Yeah. Yeah. Like letting it go, releasing, cleansing it, purifying it does not to be this like like oh my god i'm gonna like think about it i'm gonna journal about every single (laughs) thing like it doesn't have to be like that it can be because maybe that's the season of life you're in but also if there's a resistance to it though wouldn't that kind of also make it worse like if you are putting it out there like oh i don't want to do this and this is gonna be terrible like you kind of create that for yourself where it's like hey if you're cleaning just, I don't know, be like, I'm going to put on my favorite playlist and I'm yeah. going to go light some incense metaphorically. I don't know how you do that metaphorically, yeah. but you just like think of it that way. Whereas and my husband's very, very good at cleaning. I'm very not good at cleaning. Okay, and so it has too. to be something that I like kind of hype myself <laughs> up for. So I'm going to have to hype myself up for the psyche cleaning. Um, but just like, don't think of it as a chore. Think of it as just like, no, this is just you deserve this. You deserve this space, this cleanse, this, these rituals. Um, you deserve this space and, um, also goes into the, the connection with oneself. Like you deserve this and like do this for you. Nobody, like your parents aren't demanding that you do your chores or whatever. Like this is your life, your brain, your living and your quality of life. And, um, and so it's, it doesn't have to be a scary thing that we're just procrastinating. Yeah. And I think this is one of the biggest, or I keep saying one of the biggest, what I mean is another (laughs) very large theme in this book is, (laughs) is, is like being responsible for yourself Mm -hmm. and taking responsibility for how you're going to live your life. And so many of these stories it is always going to be about what you choose to do next. Mm-hmm. Maybe what happened in the last moment in the past wasn't up to you. It wasn't your choice. But in this moment, yeah, yeah. this is up to you. And and I know it's hard because so much of what happens in life is out of our hands. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we live in a world that's really hard to live and exist in, and it shouldn't be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and we shouldn't have to fight so hard to survive. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is that is nature. Yeah. And we have to have that fire in us to to push forward. And they talk about this a lot in um, like Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, who was a Holocaust survivor. And he would talk about that as soon as people started losing hope or losing that fire mm-hmm. to survive, they die with like the mm-hmm. next day. Yeah even though they've been living in the same conditions um, as everybody else, but the difference between someone who has that inner fire going mm-hmm. makes a world of difference of how, how their outcome is. Yep. So I think you have to have that fire. Yeah. And she, Clarissa talks about, I think at some point in this chapter about those pesky weeds that, and she uses it an example of like being too close to the, too good mother, mm-hmm. but I'm going to use it in a different example of okay. like 
sometimes we have to be like the relentless weed that's mm. not gonna just roll over and and just take it. We're gonna come back every single yes, year, every time. <laughs> you think that's gonna get me think again? <laughs> and I'm gonna come back bigger. <laughs> My roots are gonna be deeper. Yes. I'm gonna bring some friends with me this time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I just like sometimes I get really frustrated with myself when I don't have that fire. Mm. When I see myself rolling over. When mm. I and and sometimes there's times where I see myself regretting when I went too far. Mm. And and that's something that it's really hard to live with that shame and regret of yeah. just like, did I not go too far or did I go too far? And, yeah. and it's really hard. But I think a big thing is when, is when we are really close to our truth and our intuition and we are willing to make the changes necessary to live in our truth, we can live so much better. Yeah. We can like we have the ability to live a a good life. But it a lot of it is up to us. Yep. And going into the and we've touched on this you know already in the episode the people that you choose to be around or the people that you let around you. She talks about how important it is says a woman must choose her friends and lovers wisely for both can become like a bad stepmother and rotten stepsisters. And I thought it was beautiful because she goes a little bit further um, saying having a lover slash friend who regards you as a living, growing creature being just as much as the tree from the ground or a ficus in the house or a rose garden out in the side yard having a lover and friends who look at you as a true living, breathing entity, one that is human, but made of very fine and moist and magical things as well. <laughs> a lover and friends who support the creature in you. These are the people you are looking for. These will be the friends of your soul for life. And it just like made me so happy because it's just like, and we're talking about like getting the bad people out and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. But there's also like, at the end, towards the end of this chapter, she like gives you so much hope at the end of it of just like, no, like there are good people out there. Like there's soul people out there that are gonna like acknowledge the fact, like the fact that she had to even just say like, they who look at you as a true living, breathing entity. And I'm like, yes, that, because that's what we all deserve. We all yeah. like need that, like that you are a living person that has a brain and a heart and feelings and emotions and you deserve respect and love. And when you find the people who see that and just willingly give that to you without having to like twist anything or um, just, yeah, like be, I don't know, malicious with anything. Um, it's just such a, a pure feeling. And it's it's sad at the same time because immediately my mind goes into like, like, I don't know, like, do I actually deserve, like, there's, mm. and then, like, the stepsisters and the stepmother kind of come back right. into play here of, like, you're not doing enough and you don't deserve that and you haven't proven yourself and all that stuff. But I just need to, like, I don't know, like, have that quote, like, that paragraph of just, like, no, like, there are people, there are good people out there. And, like, if you haven't found them already, like, they are out there. And like, don't lose hope. Like, don't yeah. think that you're just going to be alone this entire time. And so I, I loved, I loved that part. 
Yeah, I completely agree that there is so much hope in part of this process of death is there is a moment of mourning and that's what is brought up in the very beginning of this tale is mm-hmm. when the the two good mother dies there is a period of grief whenever death of any sort happens so when when seasons change and end in your life um it's really hard and you need to mourn that but there is also so much hope that there is so much life out there and i think um to go back to like kind of what's been my lesson this past two years is yeah, there are awful people out there, but there are also really lovely people out there and those people deserve way more of your attention. Mm -hmm. And of course you have to mourn the reality of like, wow, this really hurt. And it, it made me almost want to close off completely. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's so many people who are worth, being around that mm-hmm. keep you really good and grounded. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of this quote that I came across recently um, by Albert Camus. You will never be able to experience everything. So please do polit- poetical justice to your soul and simply experience yourself. Mm. And I think that's something that I always felt um, was this always this huge impending sense of like loneliness mm-hmm. <laughs> of like what happens when I die? Yeah. What like I'm gonna be alone? <laughs> like what do you mean? I love all these things in my yeah. life, and I can't imagine saying goodbye to that forever. Mm. Yeah, Charlie, you're so right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Charlie was really into that one. <laughs> but but it, it's simply not true that I don't think we'll ever be alone. But there's so much of this world to experience and it's always creating. Mm-hmm. It's always like um, expressing itself in new ways. So we can't possibly experience everything, especially yeah. not in one lifetime, maybe yeah. over a lot of lifetimes. Yes. Yeah. And, and Clarissa does say she reminds us that we need to be focusing on what we want. So it's like, Yes, life is full of all, and she talks about like this the smorgas smorgasbord. I can't yeah. even say that word. The smorgas smorgasbord. <laughs> I think a charcuterie board. That's, yeah. that's I'm just gonna the charcuterie board of life. <laughs> Where she's like, okay, so you have all these things in front of you, all these different things that you can try, all these people that you can meet, all these places you can go. You know, yada 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 yada. But like at the end of the day. Like the way that we need to be approaching all of this is actually being in tune with yourself and asking yourself, wait, what do I actually want? Like, what do I want? Not, oh, what does my partner want? Or, whoa, what does my parents want? What do no, it's like, what do I want? What do I want to take out of all of this? And then she even says, she's like, it may not even be on the charcuterie board. Like, just just freaking just go take the things that you want and yeah. just don't feel like you have to settle for the things that are in front of you. And so I think that was also like a really like uplifting thing of yeah. just going back into like this is your life and like you are the one who are, who's going to have to deal with it at the, in the in the end. You're looking back on your life and of just yeah, like how did you live it? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really great way to kind of bring this episode to like 
just a nice circle of what do you want Mm -hmm. and and how are you going to stand up for that yep and just because it's right there just because it's what's all how it's always been doesn't mean that's how it always has to be it's kind of up to you yeah and on the very last page of the chapter i highlighted this because i think this is also a really good way to kind of end the end the episode she says nature does not ask permission blossom and birth whenever you feel like it Oh, and then it says, by the light of the fiery skull, we know. Love. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I really love that. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to today's episode. We are going to be taking a two-week break for the holidays, but once we are back in the new year, we will be kicking off the Zodiac series, starting with the Aries sign. Stay updated on our social media on TikTok and Instagram at the Spiritual Curiosity Pod. That's where you can find behind the scenes of the different books, as well as the different tarot decks that we use. In the meantime, stay, stay curious. curious.